Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the WCPO High School Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Dyer. We're talking high school football this week on the podcast. And uh, as always, plenty to talk about from week one and a look ahead to week two. Later on, you're going to hear from computer points guru Joe Idol of joeidol.com. Anybody who's familiar with Ohio high school football and knows to go to his website for all the uh, computer points standing scores and schedules in the state of Ohio. And he's going to talk about why he still has a passion for high school football after all these years. You're also going to hear from Taft head football coach Tyler Williams about the Senators' big 32 to nothing win at Roger Bacon last week. And Lakota West senior quarterback Mitch Bolden on his game-winning drive as the uh, Firebirds erased a 13-0 halftime deficit in week one to defeat St. Xavier. But uh, first, as always, this High School Insider podcast is presented by our local Chick-fil-A restaurants, where the winning play is always chicken. Download the app today for easy ordering. And before we get started here, I want to give our condolences here at the WCPO High School Insider podcast to Lakota East High School for the loss of 2022 graduate Caleb Van Hooser. The freshman Indiana State University cornerback died in a single vehicle accident early Sunday morning and uh, was able to talk to Coach Rick Haynes, a very somber um, weekend, obviously, there uh, in Liberty Township. And uh, Rick told me how much uh, Caleb was loved by everyone around school, his t- classmates, uh, the teammates and teachers and the whole entire staff there. And you can read more about that on WCPO.com. Lakota East will wear number two in tribute to Van Hooser on Friday night and number two decals on their helmets as uh, the Thunderhawks host Lakota West in that annual district rivalry. Well, first up, it was a huge matchup there in Westchester Township on Friday night as Lakota West and St. Xavier got together again to open up uh, the entire season. And uh, senior wide receiver Ben Minnick of Lakota West made his only reception of the night count in the biggest moment of the game. As uh, he uh, told me after the game, is a now or never moment. He caught a two-yard touchdown pass on a slant pattern from senior quarterback Mitch Bolden with just 21 seconds remaining to give the Firebirds the lead for good. And they erased that 13 nothing halftime de- deficit. Coach Tom Bolden told me after the game it was the worst first half of football he's ever coached. And he's been at this quite a long time. But the magnitude of that moment for Lakota West in front of almost 5,000 fans wasn't lost on Mitch Bolden, who's the son of Coach Tom Bolden. He started his 33rd career game on Friday night. And he explained to me why it was probably the best moment of his high school football career. Team down the field. Well, number one goal was to score. That was the only thing going through my mind. We had that goal line situation with the change of downs and everything. I just wanted to score. And, um, you know, I had, a, I had a bad first half, but, you know, uh, there's more game. You know what I'm saying? That's what I kept saying to myself. I said, relax, play football, play the game I love. And I ended up doing that in the second half. And I'm so proud of my boys and my team for fighting back. Coach mentioned he broke a few chairs at halftime. What was oh, the same yeah. like there with the guys? Oh, uh, you know, it was. we weren't satisfied, you know. And uh, there were some chairs broken. I'm not even kidding. So, uh, But we knew, you knew, we knew, like, we just got to be physical in the second half and play play football, you know. We weren't playing football. Um, but, and we ended up doing that, so the chairs were meant to be broken, I guess. How much were you ready for this moment? Ah, uh, man, I, senior year, man, I just, this is probably the best game I've ever been a part of, you know, and um, I'm glad, you know, it's it's happened in my senior year and I can experience all of it. What was that like when you knew Ben Cotton? Honestly, I didn't see him catch it. All I saw was the um, the referee's uh, hands go up, and I just, that was the best moment ever. That was probably the best moment I've ever had in football. Is that right? 
safely say that. Yes, sir. It, it was. It was. It was top ten. It was. It was top three moment. It was. It was amazing. What's this do for you guys? Week one. It's got to set the uh, foundation of confidence, obviously. Yes, sir. You know, it's it's great to leave with a win, but we didn't play our best. So um, I didn't play my best. I, I don't I don't believe I played at my best at all. But uh, that's good. You know, that transition from week one to week two is a great learning, um, great learning like period. And you know, I think we'll be better next week. How do you explain just just the tail two halves? I mean, just drop passes, kind of miscues there in the first. Yes, half. sir. It was first half drop passes. Bad reads by me, bad throws. Paul wasn't coming out right. Not good blocking. And then the second half, we just we played football. Like I said, we blocked, we were physical. I relaxed him through the ball, and it was good. What was this crowd like tonight? And just these lights when you guys scored? Uh, it was amazing. Um, you know, the lights. The, I didn't know the lights were a thing. So when they scored that first touchdown, that was awesome. I really like it. And the crowd is the Red Sea is awesome. They showed out tonight, and it was awesome. Well, it's likely too premature to say that this was a season-defining moment. It's only been uh, one game through the season, but if you take a look at what Mitch Bolden and the Firebirds offense did compared to what they had in the first half, where it was just seemed like they just couldn't get things together. They were never in sync, but I tell you what, that, uh, that game-winning drive, starting about three minutes to go, that really showed a lot of poise and resilience on the uh, offensive side there for the Firebirds. So Coach Tom Bolden, he knows that uh, the team didn't play its best, as, as Mitch just alluded to, the fact that uh, there's a lot of improvement that needs to happen uh, when it comes to week one to week two uh, heading into Lakota East. But uh, if you're a Firebirds fan, certainly things are looking well. And for St. X, a lot of uh, people had talked about uh, the 18 starters that graduated from a year ago, only two starters on each side of the ball returning. But I tell you what, the Bombers are going to be a force to be reckoned with uh, when it comes to uh, the, the latter half of this season. They play on ESPN at Loyola Academy, a team out of the Chicago area, this Sunday. Uh, and I am interested to see how St. X and Coach Steve Specht respond um, after that close loss week one. Well, while there was a dramatic ending there in Westchester on Friday night, the outcome wasn't in doubt on Thursday night as the season officially opened around the state of Ohio. Taft shut out Roger Bacon 32 to nothing at Braun Basevich Memorial Stadium. There were so many stars there for Taft. I mean, junior defensive end, tight end, Elias Rudolph had three sacks and nine tackles. He played almost 70 snaps on both sides of the ball and certainly made quite an impression. Junior defensive back Quentin Price had two interceptions, and then the star of the game was senior running back Gavin Crawford. He earned MVP honors by rushing for four touchdowns and nearly 200 yards on the ground. And uh, Taft coach Tyler Williams talked to me after the game about Price and Crawford and their significance to the Senators that opening week. I never tell my kids a score, but I expect for them to do a performance like this. I expect for them to come out and dominate the person in front of them every single time. And whatever the score ends up being, as long as we win, I'm fine with that. Quentin Price with two picks tonight. How So Quentin has been a sleeper for us all camp. Quentin has only gave up one catch this whole camp. So with, with, with being in camp in 7-on-7, seven seven, he has gave up one catch. So I expected for him to have a big night tonight. I didn't know he was going to have two interceptions, but I'm very excited with his performance. And then Gavin, uh, last year, maybe a little bit tough early on for him in the season, came back for you, really came on strong in the playoffs. Can you just talk about his development a little bit? Yeah, so Coach Mayo, he's my strength and conditioning coach, and he's also my running back coach. Gavin went from 175 to 195 this year. He didn't put on massive weight. He didn't kept his speed. I think he runs harder than some almost any running back in the city right now. And with our line is getting movement, and how Gavin sees the holes and run, the sky's the limit for him. 
Taft's obviously, obviously had a lot of uh, college football recruiting attention this offseason. And uh, Gavin Crawford, as we just mentioned, he has a scholarship offer from Purdue. Elias Rudolph has over 20 scholarship offers. And this is certainly a team that's going to be uh, something to watch as, as the season goes on. And really, this week, they host Wyoming in our WCPO Game of the Week. Both teams undefeated and both earned shutouts in Week 1. And uh, at Stargill Stadium on Friday night is going to be certainly a game to watch. Wyoming has won eight of the past nine meetings. They have a 58-game regular season win streak, but uh, we're going to have more about the, that game as, as we approach Friday, but certainly going to be something uh, to behold when it comes to Taft and Wyoming. Division Four, Region 16, it's a loaded region with Clinton Massey, defending state champion, also McNicholas. You have some very talented teams in there. I want to remind everybody this High School Insider podcast is presented by our local Chick-fil-A restaurants. Catering is Chick-fil-A's winning play of the game, perfect for your tailgate parties. Order today in the app. And while it's only week two, it's never too early to start thinking about the playoffs. Last week, I had a chance to catch up with Joe Idol. If you follow high school football in the state of Ohio, you certainly have used Joe Idol's website. He can keeps track of all the schedules and scores and, and computer point standings from a statewide basis and beyond. And the Central Ohio resident uh, talked to me about how he begins the process of tracking all these scores on a Friday night, how he puts together the schedules, and why he has a passion for high school football after 23 years of doing this. Well, Joe, um, obviously, uh, the start of the high school football season around the state of Ohio, 712 teams um, planning to play 11-man football, according to the OHSA. And uh, obviously, anybody who follows high school football around the state knows about your website. And uh, tell us a little bit about how uh, this came about. Um, why you're so interested in um, keeping track of the uh, the computer points rankings throughout all the regions and seven divisions and, and just uh, your passion for high school football. Yeah. Uh, so I, it started um, probably back in high school. I started following the rankings. Um, you know, I went to Westfall. They had a pretty good team at the time. Uh, and, you know, they were always near the top, but never quite broke, broke through at that time. Um, and I was just curious, you know, how the rankings were calculated. And at that point, I, I didn't figure it out. But uh, after I got through college, um, you know, it was a programming exercise I needed to kind of stay sharp on my um, uh, programming skills. And uh, it just kind of made a natural fit there because I was, you know, I still follow the rankings. Um, so I, I started out uh, year 2000. I did that for the first time. And, um, it just kind of blossomed from there. I mean, it's not really something I expected to last long-term, but, <laughs> uh, cause I, I, you know, I, I followed high school football while I was in high school. I, I ran cross country, but, you know, and it was in the band, but I followed the, the games, you know, I had a lot of friends on the team. So, um, that's, that's kind of where it was born from. Are you surprised um, the the Harbin ratings go back to I think officially December of 1971? Yeah, the OHSA officially implemented that, and obviously going into the 1972 season. Um, you know, we're talking about 50 plus years now. Are you surprised that it's had this longevity, or uh, can you tell us about your kind of evaluation of the system? I guess. Yeah. Um, well. Uh... Yeah, I mean that's a good question, Mike. Um, I guess I'm, I'm a. I'd say I wouldn't say surprised exactly, but 
because it has changed, you know, it's evolved over time. It's not the exact same uh, formula that, you know, that was used back then. So it's kind of changed with the times, um, you know, adding in the level two divisors and all the extra things to kind of balance out open dates and whatnot. But um, yeah, I, I think it's, I'd say I think it's impressive that it's it's lasted this long. More than surprised, but um, just you know the, the coaches. I, I I don't know the exact process of how it was introduced, but I believe like the coaches voted on it or something or or, or um, recommended it at the time, and, and it's just kind of evolved. And um, nothing, to my knowledge, has really come close to replacing it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting story that's lasted fifty years. Uh, can you kind of illustrate maybe for the people who are watching or listening to this, like maybe how you prepare for a season? Um, I, Cause I, I know there's gotta be a ton of hours that you put in, you know, from August 19 through um, you know, the end of the regular season, obviously, but um, like what goes into compiling the schedules and just making sure the regional alignments are all set up. Obviously the OHSA, announces um, the divisional alignments and everything like that. But I'm just kind of curious what, what kind of prep work it takes to get ready for a season. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of evolved over the years, but um, it's, it's uh, there, there was actually a time where it was easier to get schedules because the, the OHSA used to publish a, a flat file with just listed all the schedules and I could just parse that and import it into my program. So now, and now it's a little, um, a little more laborious. Um, I, I usually use what's in Arbiter since that's what the um, schools are, you know, supposed to be using to enter all their schedules for all sports. So I try to use that for the most part. Um, there are some holes where, you know, it's out of sync where it doesn't get published. Um, and then sometimes I'll just reach out to the OHSA if I need to, and, and they, they can kind of pull the uh, a file from their system and send it to me. So, so I have something to double check, but um it's it's less automated than it used to be but it's still enough uh, automation there that um it doesn't put me back too much so when do you actually start working on placing making sure the regional uh alignment is set up or whatever is that something you just do july 1st or is that something you do back in the spring or yeah, I don't, I don't really have a set schedule for it. It varies year to year. I mean, it's, there's, there's been, um, uh, there's been times where I've put the schedules and such up uh, as late as early as May. <laughs> um, but then, you know, you get a lot of changes and such where, you know, or schools dropping programs and, uh, you know, filling open dates. And so, and then there's been seasons where I've done it as late as after week one. <laughs> so it's kind of varied over time, but, uh, here recently, I, I try to do it sometime in June, um, just, you know, cause, and that kind of corresponds usually with when the OHSA usually puts out their regions. They, they usually put that out around, I believe, the June time frame. Mm -hmm. so, um, so that way I can do kind of the schedules and the regional alignments kind of in one go and just kind of put everything out there. And I notice if you go to week one or week two, you'll not only see Ohio, but you'll see Kentucky indiana you'll see explain for maybe the people who go on your sure. site and look at the schedules why they see the other states there sure so yeah so the weekly scoreboards so i track uh well really it tracks everything that's in my database which um there have been years in the past you know way back probably 10 years ago where i, I actually even tracked like michigan and west virginia <laughs> uh, I, I don't quite uh, go that route anymore but um 
Um, but yeah, so, so basically any, any game that's in my database will show up on that weekly scoreboard. Um, and the reason that there are some schools from Kentucky, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, uh, it's because of the second level points that you can get um, in the Harbin system. So, you know, if, if uh, let's say uh, Elder plays a team from Kentucky, you know, I need to track that Kentucky's team schedule as well to get their wins and losses. So, so that's usually, if you see a team like that, it's probably because they have played an Ohio team and I need to track that score as well to, to accurately tally the rankings. Has it made your job easier that now that there's 16 qualifiers per region, especially in division one, or is that really no difference for you? It's yeah, that's yeah. To me, that's kind of, uh, it's the same process. It's just, I mean, I mean, I had to change, you, you know, I, when I published the, um, the whether they've clinched or not and all that i just had to make a change that you know to make sure it recognizes that i need to look at the 16th place teams and not just the top eight so that was a pretty straightforward change from my side i want to go back to 2020 for a second obviously oh, no 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 let's no, not go i there. know that's maybe not a, a good topic to talk about <laughs> for anybody for high school football but still i'm kind of curious in the process of how six regular season games kind of came about and maybe your discussions with the OHSA about, you know, if a team couldn't play or both teams couldn't play, what, what were those conversations like? Cause that had been a major curveball for you. Uh, well, not really um, so much because in, in 2020, of course, they, they didn't actually even use the rankings. So there really wasn't much. Um, it was kind of a, I kept it going just as a reference uh, okay. for coaches, but effectively um, the, the conversations I did have with them is pretty much uh, use the same formula, you know, keep this formula the same, but we know uh, there's going to be six games. And, but since the voting actually happened, I believe before the sixth game, mm -hmm. um, when I, you know, I did the unofficial rankings, I kind of cut it off after five games, right? Because that way you'd have a, a, a snapshot of, um, what your 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 uh, ranking looks like after five games, uh, and the reason that's important is because um, generally uh, there's there's a ten game season, and if you only play eight games, you know you get two open dates, and that kind of average. You know we work with that to average out the ranking, so you're not penalized for an open date um, per se. So uh, this is the reason that was important with 2020 is because it was effectively since the formula didn't change, it was still technically a 10 game season, but basically everybody had five open days right? <laughs> uh, before that final, you know, that final vote took place by the coaches. So, which basically meant the level two divisors kind of got adjusted down to, to simulate what it would have looked like in a normal 10, 10 game year, if someone would have played five games. Um, so that's why if you look at the the rankings for 2020, and again, they were very unofficial. It was not um, actually um, part of the official process there. Um, that's why you'll see that even though they only played five games, in some cases, their, their average score was comparable to what it would have been in a 10-game season mm -hmm. if you look at the previous season. So, so in, that, in that sense, the, the Harvard system, because it takes open dates into a, a account like that and creates an average, it, it, it almost acts similar to like an RPI, you know, the college basketball RPI, um, in that there's a certain range of scores you can get each year for your average, and it doesn't really matter how many games you play. You're going to fit somewhere in that range. And, um, of course, then there's other differences there 
with you know the this divisional weighting with like 6.5 points for division one and, and all that that's not part of the college basketball rpi but so that's where the similarities end but so so yeah that was, that's kind of my involvement with 2020 there uh, the decision to um you know play six games and not use the harbins that was kind of um, i think internally made and uh, rightfully still there yeah So there, okay. Frozen. Yeah, I'm here. Yep. Sorry. Yeah, I froze I up here too. Yep. Um, we can move past that. That 2020, because I know that was <laughs> um, <laughs> only for the ranking. I, I sure, did you get feedback from coaches though? They appreciate you putting those, even though they voted for the seating. I mean, is that something you heard that was beneficial to them? Um, it, uh, yeah, I think there were a few that kind of that dropped in. And I mean, there there are pretty much every year, you know, coaches, especially towards the end of the year, some coaches kind of chime in, send me an email or, or post something on Twitter and, and say thanks for everything you do and stuff. So, so yeah, definitely there was, there was still that. Um, and, and there were there were a couple, you know, confused because, you know, just because of the the smaller divisor and, and all that technical stuff there. Um, there, were, there were some points of confusion, but it you know it's it is what it is i guess how important is it for you to keep the archive seasons where people can go back and look at previous seasons i mean that's it's really it's, cool i think yeah it's well yeah it's, it's very cool um it's because i i use it a lot too <laughs> um but yeah it's it's grown to the point now what 20 this will be the 23rd year um and uh it's grown to the point where it's actually kind of hard to navigate. So uh, I've kind of been working in the background, uh, getting some search functionality in there so we can uh, more easily find uh, the schools we're looking for in a given year and, and things like that. Um, and I've also been working uh, in, in over the past, you know, off and on probably the past 15 years or so as time allows, I've been trying to piece together even uh more historical seasons. Mm -hmm. So, um, hopefully I, I don't know, I don't have a timeline for that right now, but, um, I would, I would like to see that sometime this year if possible, going back at least to, um, 1970. So, mm -hmm. and which would cover all the years of the Harbin system. And actually 1970 was the first year of the, um, where they went from the two class to the three class system. So that's kind of a, a nice round cutoff point for this first phase, but, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. Um, and like I said, hopefully, hopefully I can get that out sometime this year, maybe after the season. What was the inspiration happen. behind that? Just being able to have that um, reference or curiosity? It's more, yeah. I, I think as, as the, you know, as I was moving forward with his seasons, it, I'm like, man, it would be nice to go back. And then actually that's probably the most requested feature I get from people in emails is, you know, Hey, can you, do you have any historical seasons for school X or school Y or whatever? And, you know, and I usually just say, I, I don't, or, you know, that's what I said at the time. Now, you know, sometimes now if someone asks me, I, I've got it, you know, I've probably, I, I think I'm about, uh, I only need about 50 more scores, I think wow. to um, be done with 1970. And, and most of those are like one off, uh, hard to find schools. Um, um, like the Hillcrest team that's around the Cincinnati area that they're, they're not always, 
easy to find their scores. <laughs> so there are a few from there. And, and even uh, I've got um, uh, St. Rita, which uh, I used to play back in the uh, 80s. And so, so that's kind of the ones I'm missing. But um, I'll, I'll have that out. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just more or less the combination of people seem to want that. Um, plus my, my data database is kind of set up naturally to handle that. I just need to, again, import the schedules and find the scores just like I do for, uh, the current day. Have you ever had your website just be totally overloaded because of the amount of users there on a Friday night or something? Uh, that used to, that used to be an annual, um, event on week 10. Uh, it was, you know, how many, how many hours will July will be up tonight <laughs> before it crashes? <laughs> um, and that was that was related to the hosting provider I had, and the fact that it was um, shared server and all kinds of other technical stuff that um, basically, yeah, I, I easily over overused my allotment. <laughs> um, but I've alleviated that in, in the past seasons. I've moved to um, a more a, a different host that's a cloud based, so I can kind of expand. You know, I have more than one instance of the site running. So if one goes down, the others are there for a failover. So, so it, um, I don't think it's been a problem here the past three to four years, but, um, but yeah, that definitely was an annual occurrence at one point. Do you actually see the sh sharp increase in traffic starting around week five, six, or w when does it actually really it, take off during the it, It's, um, so, so I've looked at some of the the charts and, and things of the the traffic uh, in the past, and, and it's it's kind of interesting because you know it, it it kind of starts in the summer. You'll see a little bit of a nudge up with when the schedules are out, and then uh, week one has a little nudge up, and then it kind of dips down in the week. You know, it's mostly on Friday or Saturday, Sunday when people are checking it out, and during the week it kind of dips back down, and then again to week two a little, higher, and it just keeps going up and up, and then and then week ten is just like through the roof <laughs> it's, oh. <laughs> it's just it's an interesting chart to look at but. do you know how many page views you've had on a the most on a single day by chance i i don't uh i haven't i haven't really looked at the the counts here in the past few years but um the last i checked was probably 2018 i'd say um and i believe there were like 20 million page views in week 10 alone just from that Friday to Saturday period. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I haven't actually haven't paid too much attention to that. Cause I just trust that people are getting what they want to get out of it. And I'm happy to keep publishing it out there as long as I can. Have people asked you whether you've wanted to add sponsors to this or monetize this in another way? Have you had offers in the past? Uh, I've had a few, um, I've had a few and I haven't made that leap yet. Um, I, on one hand, I kind of like to have it ad free. Um, just, you know, because it's, <laughs> it's, it's easier to deal with and it's, you know, uh, you know, sometimes you'll go to a site and the ads are so crazy and you hear your, your the fan of your machine start spinning up and overheating. And it's like, I, I really don't need all this. So I, I on one hand, I don't want to do that same thing. <laughs> Cause I hate it myself, sure. but on the other hand, um, you know, there are some, uh, probably some opportunities that aren't quite so resource intensive on your machine, that, like maybe simple banners or something. Uh, I've considered it, uh, I've had some offers, I, but I haven't made that jump yet. Do you have an app by chance? I don't have an app yet. No. Have you thought about that? 
I've, I've thought about it, but it's, it's kind of on the list. It's kind of down below getting the historical things out there and um, some other, you know, redesigning with a search. And so there's some other things first and then, um, but yeah, making it, making an app and also making it just more usable on uh, mobile devices um, is, is also one of the goals because, uh, you know, so I've checked it out on the phone sometimes and it's, you know, it's not the, not the greatest uh, experience on a phone, <laughs> Um, which granted it was built mostly in 2000, 2001 when smartphones weren't really uh, <laughs> uh, something you thought about to design for. But So take me through what does Joe Idol do on a, a Friday night? Uh, games are kicking off mostly at 7 p.m. I mean, you get some 6.30s here and I don't know if there's still 7.30s anywhere. Not in Cincinnati. Uh, they, a few, but yeah, they're dwindling. So what, what's kind of the, uh, the, take me through the sequence of what you do to, I know there's uh, scores tweeted like crazy, you know, probably right around that, what, nine or 10 o'clock hour, but how do you kind of go about gathering your information? Uh, yeah. So it's, yeah, it kind of starts out, like you said, um, seven, seven o'clock. Usually there's a few games that are actually already finished in the Cleveland area by then. Cause you know, they have some after, after school games up there. Uh, usually three or four games a week like that. But um, um, so usually I'll, I'll try to get those if I can. Um, they don't always trickle in uh, on Twitter uh, um, as fast as a, a Friday night game would. But um, so I kind of get those. And then I usually, if you know, if I'm not going to a game, um, um, I'm, I'm usually streaming a few. Um, you, you know, sometimes I have one on my phone, one on my laptop, and one streaming on the TV. <laughs> And, and sometimes I have two or three on my laptop and switch back and forth. So I, I kind of like to check in. Um, I don't, I don't get to watch any one game usually uh, enough, you know, to really uh, follow the players and the, and the schools that closely, but I like to try to check in on, you know, some teams here and there. And then, um, but yeah, it's normally about nine o'clock, maybe a few minutes before some of those running clock games uh, are usually coming final around that time. Um, so I'll, I'll try to, you know, I'm usually on Twitter. I'm just trying to, I filter on final scores and, um, hope, hopefully I'm following all the people that are posting the scores So they show up on my filter. Um, but yeah, I start from there and then I just kind of work as more games come final. I just kind of key in the scores that, um, I can see. And then, um, that's usually from nine until 10 30, so I kind of follow that process and then starting at 10 30 uh, PM, I usually switch over to um, trying to search for specific games that I'm, that I'm missing. So, um, so, so yeah, for that first hour and hour and a half, it's kind of like first come first serve of what I see in my feed. And, and then after that, I kind of go fill in the blanks um, elsewhere. And I'm, usually it lasts until 1230 or so. Um, especially once you get into league play, uh, it seems like um, scores are a little easier to find once you get into league play. Sometimes the the non-league part of the schedule, you know, if you're traveling an hour, two hours away, um, those scores don't always show up uh, as fast as I'd like. But twenty three years, Joe, of doing this. Um, I mean, what inspires you? You just mentioned how you will have multiple games on at a time and don't necessarily have the time, or uh, you know the ability to, to hone in on maybe one or, or two. Uh, but what, what motivates you uh, to do all this? Um, I, I don't know. I, th I think it's more at this point, 
after 23 years, I think it's more momentum. <laughs> it's just, you know, I, I, I can, and I, I do, I don't know if I really have a specific motivation. Um, um, uh, it, I mean, I, I still enjoy it. So, uh, you know, as long as I still enjoy it, that's why I keep doing it. Um, but yeah, I can't really point to one thing that's, that motivates me to keep doing it other than, you know, just, um, why not? <laughs> Is there a particular stadium or, or area of the state that you always like to visit? And it's maybe on your high school football bucket list as it were. Um, not really. I mean, I, I would like to go to some games, but, uh, some more frequently or, you know, out of area games, I guess I should say, but, um, um, but yeah, I think, I, I think I need some more automation. Once, once I get to the point where, uh, I don't have to sit around for a couple hours and type in all the scores, uh, maybe that'll free me up and I can get out to some places. You ever watch any playoff games in person? Are you able to? You yeah. Any- yeah. I've, I've seen a few playoff games. Um, actually I haven't been to a state finals yet. Yeah, okay. So that's, that's one thing, uh, that's one thing I'll probably do here in a few years. Definitely need to get up to Canton. That's maybe a, this a year. atmosphere. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I've, 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 I've seen some games and it looks like in a good atmosphere. So yeah. just need to free myself up and get up there. I guess finally, what can the public do? High school football community, the fans, ADs, coaches, whoever follows. I mean, what can they do to help you or make your life easier? Obviously they could tweet and accuracy is everything in this business, you know, as we all know, but, uh, um, is there anything in particular that could help you do your job better, I guess, to help serve the public? Um, I'd say, f- I'd say for the most part, um, uh, they've done great, especially, you know, the, the eighties and the sports writers who sweet out the scores, um, uh, or whoever's running the school account. I assume it's an AD or a, an SID or maybe it's a student or whatever, but they, they do great jobs of posting their school scores, uh, conference websites do a um, pretty good job of posting out their league scores. Um, so I, I think from my standpoint, I, I really don't have any, <laughs> uh, anything else other than just keep doing what they're doing. It helps me out uh, to get those scores uh, pretty quickly so I can turn around and, you know, share the rankings with everybody. So, um, I, I guess when it comes to Arbiter, uh, again, most schools are doing a great job of, you know, making sure all their schedules are up to date in Arbiter. Um, so I just, yeah, say, keep, keep doing that. that. That's what helps me the most is keeping the schedules updated and, uh, getting the accurate scores. Talked to Tim street yesterday at the OHSA and, uh, you know, he was raving about everything that you do and helping the high school football community. I guess what's your rapport like with. The OHSA, I know Bo Rugg, obviously the football administrator. You've mm-hmm. worked with him for many years. And I guess what's what's kind of like that uh, relationship like with uh, their staff? Um, I, it's pretty good. I, I've interfaced mostly with Bo and, and, and Angie at the at the office. And I've had a few uh, conversations with Tim over email. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a pretty... Uh, you know, positive relationship there. Like I said, I, even before I kind of started doing it as the official source, um, publishing the file for them on their Tuesday rankings, um, there was kind of a relationship already there. You know, I'd, I'd check in with them on, 
rumored forfeits to see if it was uh, factual or not. Cause you know, sometimes there's speculative forfeits <laughs> that turn out to be non forfeits. So, so there's, there's been that back and forth relationship for quite a while. And it's uh, I'd say it's a pretty positive relationship and it's good to talk with them and, you know, have some uh, calls every once in a while just to make sure if there's any changes or uh, things that need to be addressed. Um, you know, some of the one-off, uh, issues like uh, cancels or like, like I said earlier forfeits and uh, the non-standard things. I know they would just say would have the say on this, but the strength of schedule component was mentioned a couple of years ago. And I'm just kind of curious if that's come up in anything and obviously not for this season, but I mean, just a yeah. more focused uh, point of emphasis, I guess, if, if you see that in the future. Yeah. So I, 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 that did come up uh, a few years ago. Um, that was when there was it was still eight teams. Uh, so I think now that there's 16 teams, it seems like that talk has kind of um, died down or is on the back burner a little bit. Um, so uh, yeah, this 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 strength of schedule is a, is an interesting one because that's it's hard to um, it's hard to get it right. I guess if you think about it. so so in in some sense the current Harvard system already takes it into account to an extent and, and, you know, um, in that you get, if you win the game and your opponent has won a lot of games, you get those extra points. So in a way it's, it's kind of already built in, but I know there are a lot of, um, folks that say, well, uh, you know, we played a good team and lost by a field goal. Why don't we get any points? And that's, that's, that's a valid, uh, question. Um, but then you get to the point where if you're starting to award points for losses, even though it may be, um, a, a good team you played, it could potentially kind of throw the balance off a little bit, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because, because if a team goes, you know, 10 and 0, they didn't lose any games. So they're not going to get any more points if you make that change. But now, uh, you know, a team that's eight and two, then and ranked highly if you're now awarding them points for the losses on top of it um it it could i'm not gonna say it would because it depends on how you implement it but if you if you weight it too much it could throw things out of balance and if you don't weight it enough and it, it's irrelevant <laughs> it won't matter at all so it, so yeah that, that conversation came up and um uh, i think there were some some ideas floated around and um I haven't heard anything about it here in the past two seasons, at least. So um, as far as I know, it's not uh, going to be something in the near term, at least, but um, I could be wrong. Like, like I said, so now that there's 16 teams, it's really, it would, it would affect seating perhaps um, right now, but it's probably not going to change the teams themselves. Um, unless, you know, the team at the bottom, that's three and seven, if they lost to, seven good teams that might bump them up. But uh, at that point, is that, is that helpful? I'm not sure. I guess that would be, that'd be a good point of discussion, but. Well, Joe, where can everybody follow you on Twitter? And you want to just mention your website. If, if those who haven't uh, seen it uh, or new to Ohio high school football, uh, they'd like to visit as well. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Twitter, it's at Joe idol. Um, and uh, the website is joeidle.com. Um, and then there's, uh, you know, there's, there's a link there to click to go to the high school football. It's the only link on that main page, but um, that'll be replaced at some point. Um, once I get all the history up there, I'm going to redesign some things. So, but it'll still be joeidle.com. 
So thanks for everything you do for high school football here in the state of Ohio and uh, appreciate your time and perspective here on the WCPO High School Insider Podcast. All right. Thanks, Mike. Idol is certainly a wealth of information and a highly valued member of the Ohio high school football community, whether you're a coach, uh, an athletic director, a media member. Uh, his website is certainly uh, one that needs to be on your bookmark page uh, because it has all the information you need to know, um, whether it be early in the season or as you look toward week 10 in the playoffs. And by the way, the playoffs are going to start in late October in the OHSA um, this year. And that's the first time really since 2020. If you take out 2020, it's the only time it's ever happened in a quote unquote regular normal um, high school football season. He told me after the game, I asked him a little bit about his bucket list there. You heard in that interview and he told me uh, after that interview that uh, he'd like to see a game at Nippert Stadium or at the pit at Elder High School one day. So uh, certainly hoping that make that makes uh, uh, that, that will get going and happen for him. And he, he's never seen a state finals game either. So uh, hopefully Tim Street and the people at the OHSA can get him a ticket to Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium there in Canton this dem- December because uh, it will be a memorable game for him to watch. That's all we have for you this week on the WCPO High School Insider Podcast. Thanks for listening and watching. Our WCPO Game of the Week, again, is Wyoming at Taft on Friday night. Marshall Kramsky and I will be there to have the pregame coverage for you. We will have all the highlights for you on the Friday night frenzy. Watching some other games as well. Colerain at Princeton, Pickerington Central at Elder, Kings and Turpin. I mean, there's so many games to watch. Paintsville at Beachwood. By the way, Beachwood, uh, two-time defending Class 2A state champion. I mean, they have a 24-game win streak there in Kentucky. So uh, plenty of uh, great games for you on the slate in Week 2. Thanks again for watching. We'll talk to you next week. Oh, 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 oh,